We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. And I'm walking here! I'm walking here! Here's Johnny! You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Good evening, good afternoon, um, good morning, uh, what else is there? Uh, I don't know, but Lewis is looking very slick tonight. I've already teased him a couple of times and it's going to continue, my Mercil- friend. Mercilessly, you Yes. Um, so Lewis has got his bifocals on, but they're not his bifocals that are see-through, they are his sunglasses. That's right. So I feel like... Really, it's very weird to be talking to someone who's wearing sunglasses because I feel like I'm not actually getting any of your attention. <laughs> These, it's because I can't see if you're looking at me or not. I know you yeah. are logically, yeah. but. It's kind of just black. It's kind of weird because you often see these like celebrities, you know, Bono and and Jack Nicholson, and every time you see them, they're always wearing sunglasses, and you think, "Wow, they're so cool." But what I think it is, I know, I never thought that. But anyway, not, continue. Yeah. Uh, what I think it is is that they're they're like me. They're they're actually uh, you know got. Uh, you know, crappy eyesight for for reading and stuff, and they're actually multifocal glasses, and they're just like you know, if if I wear like normal glasses, everyone knows I've got bad eyesight, and that's not cool. But if I wear my <laughs> sunglasses, then it's all good. It's all good in the hood. Well, guess what? I've just told our entire audience that you have terrible eyesight. I, I know, I know. It so. can't be worse than mine, honestly. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. I, I got these because uh, I lost my um, uh, original sunglasses. I think I don't know if I had them for a year or two years, but I never really liked these sunglasses because I've got a massive head. And you don't have a massive head. I, I, I do. Who on earth has ever told you you've got a massive head? The, the people who make glasses tell me I've got a massive head because I go and like try on glasses. I go, oh, it's pinching my head. It's pinching my I temples. I get that too. Then we've both got massive yeah. heads. I'm going to ignore them and just pretend that those other glasses are for people with pinheads. Yeah, yeah. But, but these, So I got this pair of glasses. I thought, yeah, these are comfortable. But then I realised they're comfortable trying them on in the shop for like five minutes. Mm. But to wear them for extended periods, they just start clamping in in your head. And so I never really liked these sunglasses, but I figured I spent some money on them. So <laughs> I'll, you know, it's all good. It's all good. I'll just wear them and I'll suffer. It's fine. Um, yep. And then uh, Kat and I went out shopping uh, on uh, you know, after Christmas and I, I think I had them on my head and I was trying on a t-shirt and I took the t-shirt off and the glasses fell to the ground. And so I picked them up and I put them into my pocket, like, you know, the, the, the arm mm. of the thing in my pocket and then kept on trying on the T-shirts and then we went away and then we went to JB's and then we went to the pub and had a drink and then we were going home and I went, oh, where's my sunglasses? And they were gone. So I, I checked, I, I did the, the, the thing, I went and checked to see if they were there anywhere and uh, and I went and left my details with uh, you know, the reception at that carousel and they never came back. But I was just like, ah, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Who cares? It's all, it's all fair. It's all fair play. And uh, whoever's got them now, I hope you're enjoying them and you have a smaller head than me. <laughs> 
but I was thinking with these glasses now because the the uh, bottom bit is the the prescription bit, and the rest of the the top bit is actually just normal glass I can see through uh, for my, for long vision. So if I ever lose these ones and somebody like you know, finds them and doesn't hand them in and decides to wear them as their own glasses, that's going to be some trippy stuff for them. Because <laughs> yeah. why why do I look at certain things as blurry and certain things are not blurry? I think I'm going insane. So yeah, I, I'm I quite I'm looking forward to losing these glasses one day. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdo. So I, I can't tell if I'm making intense eye contact with you. So I keep like looking down because I'm I'm like I'm like I don't want to make too much of intense like eye contact because then it's too intense. <laughs> I have to look away, you know. I find it interesting because I've like had to go into a lot of meetings with a lot of people, a lot of one-on-one kind of meetings, and it surprises me the amount of people who can't look you in the eyes. Like they'll be talking well, to you. Well, if you didn't have your glasses on, I would. It's just it feels uncomfortable. That's That feels better. Yeah. And it's because I can't see your eyes. There must be some kind of a um, a mental – Psychological reason Psychological reason mm. that I need to be able to see your eyes to see if you're, you know, going to attack me or something. <laughs> Right, okay. And now I feel like because we're talking about eye contact, <laughs> I feel like it's too intense. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just too much. But it's just so, it's so weird we go <sighs> and you, you, you meet with someone and they're, they're, they're talking to you but looking in a completely different direction. It's uncomfortable it's, to make eye contact. Yeah, I know. I, but that's kind of weird because I've always – I suffer from social anxiety and I, you, I would have thought that one of the things that I couldn't do is, is make eye contact with people and talk – you know, directly to people, but I seem to be very good at doing well, that. Well, you've made, you've been in sales for a long time, so mm. maybe you've trained yourself to do it because I have to mentally remind myself that um, I need to look at people's eyes. I can't just dart around mm. when I'm talking to them because it's, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Hey, have we introduced the show? No, we haven't. <laughs> you're listening to Tangent City, apparently. Um, you're not. You're listening to Unscripted here on Radio Fremantle if you're listening to it live with Lewis and Rachel. Cecilia is seeing a movie called Belfast tonight. So she'll be talking about that next week, I imagine. Um, and the reason I said it's is it Tangent City is because we often start that, we talk for ages and then eventually introduce it. Um, we've put up an episode recently which is a Spider-Man spoiler cast so uh, for the latest movie obviously Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, we recorded another one which will probably drop this week as well so um, but yeah keep your eye out on the uh, on the pages Yes, but it's good to have you back in the studio because uh, last week I did the show uh, by myself, which you've done in the past as well. And Cecilia's done and before. It's hard. It's really hard because back in the day we used to have a show where we'd have like a bit of music in there as well. Mm. So doing a one-hour show with you know the three or four songs, easy, easy, yeah, yeah. easy. But doing a one-hour show where you're doing it as a podcast and the only thing that's breaking things up is a couple of ads. And they're shortish as yeah. well. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's very, very difficult. So, uh-huh. And your mouth gets dry yeah. from talking too much and I find that I talk fast in general. Mm-hmm. So then when I'm by myself, I felt like I was talking really, really fast <laughs> and I think it was n- nervousness but I think one of our listeners, Lee, said he, he listened to that episode and it just sounded like... Um, I was talking to someone and at any minute that person would jump in and talk. It's just that they didn't. You're, you're <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, that's good to hear because I felt like I was I – was, it was nerve-wracking. It's very nerve-wracking to talk to nothing. You're holding a conversation with a mute apparently. Y- uh, yes. Yeah. 
Or I'm just talking so much they can't get a word in. Yes, yeah. But I, I um, have not listened back to the, the show yet. I'm kind of scared. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but uh, I don't know, maybe I'll do it at some point. <laughs> oh, I didn't listen back to mine. You didn't? <laughs> <laughs> I occasionally listen to our shows just because sometimes it's it's fun to listen back and, and go, oh, we're not that crap. <laughs> Because I have like, you know, inferiority complex. So I'm just like, oh, who would listen to this rubbish? And then I listen and I'm like, oh, it's actually quite good. Yeah. So, you know. But, yeah, maybe don't listen to the one where you buy yourself. I wouldn't have done that to myself. I don't know. I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of curious. Let Lee listen to it and then he will let you know. Fair enough. And I'm sure he'll be giving you all kinds of... um, you know, good opinions. Well, I asked I asked Alan how I went last week and yeah. he, he said it was fine. I was like, well, I'll take fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so kind. <laughs> if, he, if he said crap, then I'd go, ah, oh, that's not good. But fine, I can I can live with fine. Well, he didn't say okay. No, exactly. So, yeah, yeah he was saying it's fine. Yeah. Get over yourself. It's fine. Yeah. But if he'd said it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was How hope- do you spell? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was hoping. I was, I was hoping for good, but you know, I'll take fine. It's all. It's, it's all good. Um, but I've seen uh, this this week. Uh, Fringe started last yes. Friday. Um, so so far, I've seen uh, what was it? Three? No, two. Then three, and then. One, uh, so s- s- that seven. many, that seven. many. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I was stuck his fingers up. Yeah, I, I've seen seven, seven shows so Wowzers. far. Um, the uh, the, there was one show uh, that I saw on Saturday, uh, called Up Late Cabaret. Ooh, that sounds good. And uh, it was, it was. Uh, yeah, because what time? It was eleven twenty on Saturday night. Okay, that's too late. Yeah, it, it's it's in a, the Thailand up late cabaret, mm. uh, and so we went to Cat uh, and I had some other shows beforehand. I think the last show before that finished about nine thirty, so we had a few hours to kill. Uh, so we went to the Pleasure Gardens and we got some beers in. Nice. And Did a bit of silent disco. Uh, Probably we, not. We didn't do silent disco. No, no I know no, you no, too. No. You wouldn't have. Uh, but the, then we uh, we did the. Um, uh, we, we went to see the show and it was a, a mixture basically of, you know, cabaret, circus, burlesque kind of acts. Nice. Uh, but it was amazing because, like any fringe, it was an hour long, but it was just so crammed and there was not a second of downtime during yep. that hour. And uh, it was... Um, they had uh, the, uh, the the first... Like, the two of the burlesque people were both, like, people who'd won... Prizes for burlesque and, and whatnot. Uh, so, so I uh, they, they were just absolutely fantastic. They had uh, I think I think it's Mickey Mickey D or Mickey James or he's a, a Perth comedian. Mickey D. Um, and he was he was sensational. He like does. Did you ever have you ever been to uh, Forest Chase and there's a busker there and it's his busking is very dance based busking. Uh, possibly, yeah. I think so. Yeah, because yeah, uh, that that that's him, uh, and he's just like really, really talented. But in this environment, it was fan- it was just fantastic, um, and uh, they had um, a they had a, a, a like well, not a magician, like a guy who illusionist. No, he did um, uh, close up hand magic. Uh, what his trick at the end of it was he went up a step ladder and he backflipped off the step ladder <laughs> oh. through 
through a flaming hula hoop. Okay, so um, acrobats? Yeah, Acro- I, guess, acrobatics? I guess acrobatics kind of thing, yeah. But that was it was really impressive. So, yeah, up, up like Cabaret, I'm trying to find the uh, – actually, I, I think I actually posted it onto our Facebook page. I'm here, like, go, going and trying to look for it on the, the, the fringe side. But I was like, oh, I think I'd actually uh, posted a couple of shows onto the, uh, onto the Facebook page. And, again, uh, I must apologise to anyone who doesn't live in Perth. Uh, this During fringe time, uh, a lot of what we talk about – what I talk about in particular uh, is going to be uh, about uh, Fringe World uh, because I go and see a lot of shows during Fringe World. Um, so, yes, uh, Up Late Cabaret uh, is uh, at the Pleasure Gardens and uh, open that there. Um, and it is only on the weekends, so Friday night and Saturday night, which kind of makes sense because you don't want to go and do an Up Late show on a school night. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Friday night, Saturday night, uh, there's tickets available for tomorrow, there's tickets available for Saturday, there's uh, tickets available for next week as well. So if you want to go to something where I can guarantee you're going to enjoy it and if you're a bit of a night owl, then go and see Up Late Cabaret. It's really good. Um, one of the down down things about Fringe is that uh, some of the sh- runs of shows are very short. Mm. Uh, and then we, Kat and I saw this other show at the the girls' school, uh, which was called Jungle in Here, mm. uh, which was a one person show uh, at the um, at the girls' school. And, and unfortunately, the season's ended on it. Yeah. Uh, but it was uh, a really good show. It was a, um, uh, about this uh, girl who was working in uh, like as a receptionist, but her dream was to be a newscaster. So she's constantly broadcasting news about her uh, associates, the people that she works with. Right. And as the the play progresses, the um, uh, the the office starts becoming a jungle, and she's reporting on what's happening in Uh the jungle right and so it's really good like when you can have a performer on stage who will like you know it's it's just a stage it's just a really plain set yeah but through uh noise scape and through acting and storytelling Mm. they actually bring you into the story so yeah that was it was really good so i really enjoyed that it's just a shame that was uh, such a short run of it Mm. um but there's a, a lot of uh fringe shows that are happening not just in uh like in perth but there's also um um, fringe shows happening outside of Perth as well. And one place that they're uh, also got fringe shows is in Fremantle. Uh, so I'm going to see um, if I can oh, – uh, it's not the, uh, the, the the Fringe World app. It's not the, the it's app. It's your phone. It's my phone. It, it needs yeah. a bit of an update there. Um and it needs a, a bit of a, a throwing out. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's pretty old. Getting getting a new one, um, but uh, yes, we, we did see. I I don't think it was last year. I think it was the year before. We went to Fremantle and saw a couple of things. I know they um they do stuff at. It used to be Little Creatures, but I think it's now called the Loft. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So I know they have stuff going on there. Yes, uh, they've got uh, so Ben Darso. He's quite good. He's got a um, a show that's running from the fourteenth of January to the twelfth of February called uh, Benny Darso Letting It Fly. Is it Darso or Dasso? Darso, D A R S O W. Oh, there's an R. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, so yeah, he's just like you know, just a, a really funny comic. So you know, if you want a you know a comic that you can go and you definitely know it's going to be funny, then I can recommend going and checking him out. Um, there was uh, Jacques Barrett's. I just turned forty, so. Obviously, uh, I uh, here's a show about World War Two. Um, <laughs> okay. 
So Jacques' Netflix algorithm saw he was turning 40 and straight up flooded his viewing list with stuff about the Second World War. Wow. Uh, he'd love to do a show about something else, but that's all he's watched for six straight months. <laughs> um, his, 12 professional, his 12 years as a professional world conquering headliner, Jacques is at the top of the game, ageing like wine, eating too much cheese, expecting another meticulously written hour of rock-solid stand-up based loosely on dub-dub juice but mainly focusing on punchlines. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, that sounds like an interesting show. And there's one more that I saw that I was like, that looks interesting because um, I know that Rove McManus has uh, a show uh, on at His Majesty's Theatre, mm. uh, but because he's a big Frio boy, well, no, no, because he's a big um, uh, you know person Famous in comedy. Person. Like yep. you know, m- most people, you know, he only needs to do the one show, mm. uh, and hopefully, if he fills out that venue, then um, he'll have done as well as everyone else who's <laughs> like doing the, the smaller shows. Yep. So I think that's on the fifth of February, I think. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll check that out. I'll give. I'll confirm it for people who want to go and see Lucy Goosey. But there's another show with Rove in the title, but it hasn't actually got Rove in the show, and it's called Killing Rove. Oh, okay. Um, so Killing Rove is a new show from comedian slash writer slash miscreant Patrick Marlborough, uh, who's written for uh, Vice, The Guardian, Rolling Stones, The Saturday Papers, that seeks to answer the eternal question, what the... Uh, watch Patrick as Rove as Patrick blur the lines between homo- uh, homage, threat, and manic episode for one full hour of comedy. That's part stand-up, part audiovisual collage, part DSM entry. DSM entry. Uh, it is the um, DSM is. Oh my God, I know exactly what it is. It, it's the book of like mental health. Um, ailments okay yeah well uh so that that is uh, showing um uh so yeah the uh, killing rove is showing from thursday 27th to sunday the 30th of january uh and that's uh at dada i think is where it is so diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders Uh, okay dsm Right. Well, yeah, so the, 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 it's on uh, Theatre at Dada. So uh, if that uh, floats your boat, if you want to go and see a show about Killing Rove, go check that one out. Sounds good. Yeah. There's plenty on and it's on um, almost through Me, it's all of mid, February, mid-February. Mid-Feb, mid-Feb yeah. Mm. Fair enough. Um, yeah, check it out. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show on Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Let's talk about Drugs. Right, which ones? Um, Oxy. Oxy's, right. Oxy. Um, yeah, so I binged a TV show <laughs> So you shouldn't, you shouldn't just start talking about drugs mm-hmm. and then say that you binged. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's all in relation to a TV show, okay? Fair enough. Um, so I binged a TV show on Star, which is through Disney, obviously, mm. uh, called Dope Sick. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of this film, at, uh, TV, TV show at all. I watched the, at least the first episode. Um, it, How did you stop after one? Um, no, which my, is what everyone asks about Oxy. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point of the show. Yeah. No, I, I think we won't watch one or two, but I think it was just such a heavy show it is. that we wanted to space it out. Uh-huh. So I didn't want to space yeah. it out and I watched it within two days. Right. Um, and it was – it is heavy. It's it depressing in parts but so well acted and super interesting. So um, it, it covers um, – so Dope Stick – Dope Stick. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, 
Dope Sick takes place over a number of years. So you've got 1996 where they, the company Pardo... I think it's called, um, or the Sackler family, developed this new revolutionary drug called oxycodone, um, which is on the market as oxycotton over mm. there. Um, and it's a narcotic with, from opium, obviously, mm. uh, which cures pain. And it's supposed to, it's advertised as less addictive. Um, only 1% of people get addicted, which for an opiate, it's, it's or for a narcotic, that's... Um, pretty, a big claim to make. Mm, mm. Um, they also claim that, um, you know, it, there's less peaks and valleys. So you don't get that instant euphoria that you can get with some narcotics. Therefore, it's less likely that people will abuse. Because um, it was supposed to have like a coating on it that makes it slow release. Th- that's yeah. correct. Mm. That's correct. Uh, a, a coating that you can remove quite easily mm. as they go into in the show. Um but it, it, so it starts there with the Sackler family, and it all it doesn't tell it in a linear fashion. So you also see um, two um, prosecutors for or um, uh, what do you call them? Something attorneys, um, head attorneys. <laughs> um, not defence attorneys. Not no. No, they're not defence. They're attorneys. prosecuting attorneys. Prosecuting attorneys. Yeah, I can't remember exactly mm. the terminology, but you've got Peter Sarsgaard playing uh, Rick Mountcastle and John. Um, that's got to be a made-up surname. Huganacker. Huganacker. Yeah, playing Randy Ramsayer. So well, these, that's certainly a made-up name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, it is uh, because <laughs> it is based on a non-fiction book written by Beth uh, Macy, basically about the um, the oxy epidemic. Thank you very much. That <laughs> that um, has happened in America and just kind of spread. So they. Um, it's crazy the way they do it in the States, honestly. Anyway, I'll get back to that. Uh, <laughs> um, so Peter and John, or Rick and Randy, are investigating um, Pardo. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right, or the Sackler family's um, pharmaceutical business, basically to say that they there's obviously an issue with this oxy. People are getting addicted. It's a major crime issue. Um, and, you know, they're, they're falsely advertising it as as, you know, low likelihood Mm. that you'll get hooked and everything. But it's really hard for them to pin them down. Um, and in in during their investigation, they meet with um, DEA agent, um, so Drug Enforcement Agency, mm-hmm. DEA agent um, Bridget Meyer, who's played by Rosario Dawson. So you also see her version of events, which happened a few years before them, because they're, they're around 2004-ish, and she was trying to do an investigation around 2002. And she just kept coming up with more and more hurdles um, and are basically telling them you're not going to be able to prosecute them. It's not going to happen. So you see her struggle with it and then you see them struggling with it and then you see the people who are on it who are struggling with it. Um, You've got the likes of uh, Michael Keaton playing Daniel, uh, sorry, Dr. Samuel Phoenix. He works in a very small clinic in a very small Pennsylvania coal mining town and he's been there for 40 years and, you know, so mining accidents happen and he often finds that uh, pain medication doesn't work for most people. Mm -hmm. So they have these sales reps coming to the doctors. I don't actually know how it happens in the States, but... um, 
I mean, in Australia, mm-hmm. I don't know that we have sales agents going to doctors' surgeries. They must in some capacity. I don't know. Um, but, um, yeah, they think, really push, push, push mm. the doctors with these these drugs and how much better they are. Mm. But the sales agents are getting incorrect information because the Sackler family have given them incorrect information about studies that don't even exist. Mm. So um, it's it's also got um, Caitlin Dever in it and she's fantastic. She pays um, Betsy Malum. She is a a minor who has an accident. I think it happens in the first episode, so not giving anything mm. away. Um, and she comes from a highly um, religious family. So you've got that storyline happening. And you've also got Philippa So uh, playing Amber, who is a sales rep, and William um, Poulter, I think is his name. Will Poulter, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, playing another uh, sales agent, Billy. And you can see... Uh, he's a little bit hesitant but he's still doing the job mm. r- as opposed to Amber who is just all about the money, doesn't care that maybe some of the claims might not be right. She just cares about the dollar. So she's ruthless. Um, so there's a lot of different stories happening within and it goes back and forth in time and they are very clear about where you're at in time because otherwise it would be very confusing. Mm. Um it's a fantastic TV show and frightening because I don't – because it doesn't tell you at the end what has happened over in the States because I don't think they have higher regulations or – I really don't know. And then I was like, do they sell that drug here in Australia? I hope not, but they do. Mm. So – and I guess I understand why because it is a, a medication that might be needed for some people, I get it, but it's just too easy to abuse. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God, I hope I never, ever have any kind of injury where that gets suggested to me. So, yeah. yeah. It's really, you, you mentioned about, uh, you know, drugs in America and, uh, you know, healthcare in America and those kind of things. And, like, the fact that they're advertising, you know, drugs on television mm. and, you know, it, people go into their doctor and, like, well, whereas you, you and I will go into our doctor here in Australia and we'll go, oh, I've got a pain or there's this mm. normal kind of thing and then the doctor will, you know, diagnose you and then will prescribe the right treatment for it. Whereas in America you've got people rocking up to their, their doctor's telling them what they want to be treated with. Mm. Um, and then, like, I, I know if people have ever seen the ads in America, it's kind of like they have these really full-on expensive ads for the drugs, mm-hmm. which are generally, like, people, like, you know, skipping down the beach and stuff like that. And then right in the last 10 seconds of the ad, okay. they'll list off all the possible side effects. Mm. And inevitably, one of those side effects will always be death. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say anal leakage. Well, <laughs> Anal leakage as well. But then again, in America, they, they saw those chips which cause anal leakage. So, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, it is really strange when you watch an American. I know we're completely tangenting here, but I don't care. <laughs> um, so, in America, they you see in a movie, um, they're like, oh, what kind of medication are you on? And they're often talking about antidepressants or whatever. Mm. And they all seem to know all these names of, of medications. I'm on an antidepressant and I forget what it's called most <laughs> of the time. And then I was talking to my friend in America the other day and he has just changed a job. So, um, he's opened up his own art school. So, mm. he now doesn't have any medical cover or insurance through his work because mm. it's you know, it's his own business. Um, so he had to stop taking his monthly medication and because he, he can't afford to take it. $890 a month. Wow. 
So That's ludicrous. It's disgusting. Um, and I think unless you've got insurance through a work, uh, through work, and it has to be a particular kind of insurance, there's a lot of medications that are just too expensive to have, including diabetes. Like my my mum has medication every month and it would cost her in the States um, $1,200 a month and it's a, a life-saving mm. medication. So it's crazy. I, I get uh, I get psoriasis and part of my treatment for that is a uh, light box treatment uh, where I go, go to my dermatologist and then I get you know uh, UVB radiation and that helps to um, stop my, my psoriasis from getting worse. Mm. Um, and you know, I go and do that and uh, they charge me nothing. Because it's nothing. through your health insurance. No, no, because it's through Medicare. Oh, okay. And and so, but that that's a thing. Like if I if we didn't have Medicare, then every single time I went and did that, it would be fifty bucks. Yeah, exactly. So, well, every time I get my medication, which is a monthly prescription, it's something like ten dollars. And every time, without fail, I think far out. I'm so glad I'm not in the states because God knows how much that would be. Mm. It's ridiculous. But, but that's the thing is like the way that uh, – sorry, sorry, Americans. Like, they, um, yeah, they, we're sorry. Yeah, we're very sorry that you've you got to deal with this because the, the whole system over there has had these big drug companies mm-hmm. basically set it up so they can you know, have all these insurance companies and just charge whatever they want because the insurance company is going to cover it. Mm-hmm. So as long as people are working and they have the insurance, then they're covered so they don't care about the, the cost of medication because they're never paying for it. Yeah. And these drug companies are just raking it in. Yep. It's, oh my God, if they just need to knock knock the whole thing on the head. It's it's atrocious and, and that's part of the reason you watch this and you think, wow, it's, it's so bad over there. Mm. Um, but yeah, hopefully, because I'm pretty sure that, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Jason Mewes, he yep. was addicted to Oxy. He was, yep. So it's, it, yeah, he's off it obviously, he has been for a very long time, but... Not not pretty. It's, it's just far too available. Like, you yeah, know, it's just, just absolutely ludicrous. And, you know, what you see in the show about how people have that downfall as well. And that's the worst thing about all these, these kind of drugs is that, um, you know, I've had my dog Abby had the seizures and mm. we put her onto a, a barbiturate, phenobarbital. And the, the first, once she had the seizures, they put her onto a drip of it for 24 hours and she was screwed up for days. Mm-hmm when they first introduced the drug into her body. And then, uh, like when we got home, we're giving her uh, like a dosage of it every day. And over that first week, she was still like, you know, being affected by it for the first few days. Mm. And you, you know, she couldn't walk and she'd be stumbling and it'd be like having a little drunk puppy. <laughs> uh, very, very funny, but quite sad at the same time. Yeah. But you can see like her body just got used to it. So now mm. instead of her getting high and wobbly from this stuff, she's just it's just keeping her going mm-hmm. because if she doesn't take it, she'll start to have seizures again and yep. it'll probably die. So it's just amazing like, you know, how your body will adjust to it. That's the same thing with the people when they're on these oxys mm-hmm. is initially they're getting a massive high from it and then eventually their one oxy is not enough and so then it's two oxys and three oxys. And, and well, then, I, and they increase the dosage, which is what mm. they, they started to do. You know, you start on 10 milligrams or whatever it is, but then they created this thing called breakthrough pain 
And they're like, oh, well, obviously what you have is stronger and it breaks through the 12 hours that it's supposed to, you know, get you through. Mm. It's like it's just a whole bunch of lies and it's like how can you get away with this? It's just sickening. Yeah, I, I think it sounds like a show that every, uh, everyone should watch and particularly every American should watch and demand that the government intervenes in their healthcare system and actually does something to make sure that, uh, you know, people can actually get the, the help they need yeah. and not have to go bankrupt for it. Exactly. That thing that scares me is like, you know, when we ever go back to America, I'm taking out as much, you know, uh, travel insurance oh, as I yeah. can because yep. you get sick in that place, it's just unfathomable, like mm-hmm. what, what it will cost you. It's it so, crazy. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. Move on. Um, move on, yeah. We don't normally <laughs> score a TV shows, so I won't do that. But um, Michael Keaton, holy moly, in this, he's so good. <sighs> Like everyone in in it is fantastic. I love watching Peter Sarsgaard. He's so good. But um, yeah, I, everyone's so good in this film. I can't I wait. Mean, see, TV show. I can't wait to see Mark getting back in the bat suit later this year. <laughs> oh, oh, he's so good. I bet. I bet. Um, so I have two other things to talk about. Um, just trying to figure out. Yep. Yep. I will. I will just keep bashing through. So I'm going to leave the lighthearted and good one to the end mm. and we'll talk about Spencer now. Uh, all right. Oh, that's right, the, uh, the Diana film. The Diana yeah. film, that's right. So Spencer takes place in a very short period of time. It's over three days um, over the Christmas period. So Christmas Eve, Christmas Day and Boxing Day in, I think, 1991. And it it, it um, is... It takes place at, is it Sandringham that they do all of that? I don't know. I think so. Anyway, yes, it is uh, Sandringham Estate. So it takes place in that very short amount of time. And if you know your royal history, which uh, I think it gets shoved down your throat pretty much nonstop. So um, Charles and Diana broke up officially, I think, in 2000, uh, sorry, 1992. Or 1991. See, obviously, I can't remember. But anyway, this three days takes place right before she's made that final decision that that's it, I can't take it anymore, right. I need to leave. Um, it's it's a really weird film. It's almost experimental. Um, it's directed by Pablo Lorraine, I think is how you say his name. Mm. He's a Chilean um, director. And he previously directed Jackie, which I think had Natalie Portman in it. I didn't yes. see it. It got yeah. really poor reviews. I did see it, yes. Um, was it incredibly slow and... I honestly cannot remember it. I just know I saw it, but I can't remember it. I don't think it got great reviews. Mm. He he is a particular type of director, I think, that it, it is all about um, instead of having plot, it's um, filling the movie with tone and feelings and it's less it's not even character like it's supposed to be a character study Mm. but just over these three days and you are really with diana the majority of the time you barely see the family and it is really it's quite sad i hope william and harry do not see this film because they play her as almost deranged. And I think the point that they're trying to make is that by this point she is so lonely and isolated and desperate to get out of the chains of the firm, which is what Mm -hmm. they call them, the the royal family, that she's starting to go batty. And I'm sure she had times where she was – 
Well, I think she was deeply, deeply depressed when she was there mm-hmm. and with them. So you understand why she might might start to act a little bit cuckoo. But I, I mean, this movie makes it look like she really started to, like, in front of people, act cuckoo. And I'm like, uh, I don't. You know, it's it's. You're really making stuff up here because you weren't really there. Mm, mm. They did have um, like uh, royal, uh, what do they call them? Like people who are uh, royal advisors who are giving them advice on on things. But, um, you know, and I'm sure a lot of it has been researched through books and interviews she's done and and all that sort of stuff. But um, it was a very slow movie. Um, and it was very difficult to watch because um, it's really hard to describe actually. Um, I understand what he was trying to do and give you that feeling of isolation and, and aloneness and desperation and um, and I guess the feeling of being trapped because mm-hmm. she kind of has to do this last Christmas before she leaves and you can tell she's kind of already made her decision and she just wants to go and she can't go. It is like she's trapped um, and she's still they, – they show quite a bit of her bulimia in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just found it upsetting that they showed her as like just cuckoo bananas and mm. I'm like this is not fair. Like she's not – She's no longer here to defend herself and I'm sure she was very desperate in those times but I just felt like she came off as like cr- they were trying to make her look crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I think I know that they're not saying she was crazy. Uh, they were more saying she was just so desperate and mm. unhappy. Um, so they're trying to imbue you with those feelings. But uh, oh, Did um, Kirsten Stewart... She was fantastic. Yeah, okay. So... Um, I think regardless of what I felt about the movie, mm-hmm. she did an amazing job at the role she was given and the tools that she was given. I think it's just not my kind of movie. I think it's an amazing film in in a filmmaking mm-hmm. sense. I just I just couldn't get into it because I just felt like it was so slow and then they had this music that was so in your face the whole time. It was like, um, you know, classical music mm-hmm. and it was very omnipresent. Yeah. Like it was just, it was too much, you know. We we understand how she's feeling. You don't need to turn it up that loud. Mm. So, but it was all part of the experience. So when people say film is art, this is kind of what they're talking about as opposed to like, you know, Rambo, yeah, <laughs> which is film for entertainment. Well, there's still some artistic merit in there as well. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure there is, um, but yeah, it just wasn't my kind of. It's yeah. not my cup of tea, and I'm sure there's other people who think it's really clever and and amazing and everything. But and, and honestly, Kristen Stewart was pretty darn awesome. And there is another character in there, the chef. Um, So she, uh, Christmases used to go down in the middle of the night into the kitchen where she's not really Mm. supposed to be and and eat at that time. Um, And so her and the head chef kind of knew each other and that is known, that Mm. information is known. So you see some of their interactions and whatnot. Um, I'm going to give this two pearl necklaces. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
because Charles gave one to her and one to Camilla. Exact <laughs> same one for Christmas. What a douchebag. <laughs> Merry Christmas, my two ladies. Uh, yeah, I know. Our future king. Uh, <laughs> you're not my king. <laughs> He's hang, like, in, hang in there, Lizzie. Hey, <laughs> you can do it. I, to be honest, I mean, I'm not a big royal fan. The, the other thing that I got while I was watching it was how disgusting that these random people mm. have so much money and they have to do all of these hoity-toity like put in a box and perform certain ways and it's like it's so unfair. Mm. Like they're just some random people and yet they have millions of servants and millions of money and uh, millions of money. <laughs> And I understand they do good things, et cetera, et cetera, but just the whole idea of it is so bizarre to me. Yeah. I guess because I haven't grown up with it, but I just feel like it's... Oh, it doesn't make... To put other people Mm. above others, like, it just makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, like, you know, at all. Like, you know, just because you're you're born into this family, you get Mm -hmm. to to live in this big house and you're going to get paid a stipend and you're going to get all this this kind of stuff. It just, it's it's, it's ludicrous. I I guess initially, like, you know, to be the king, uh, you know, or the queen, like, at some point in time, they they fought battles to to Mm -hmm. retain their position, but that's no longer the case, so. And I, I, I would never dream of, I would hate to be in that family. Like I'm sure that they're they're used to it, and it's a tradition. Obviously, Harry and Megan have thankfully gotten out of there, but I don't think it's a lifestyle that anyone would be happy with. Oh, I can't imagine being happy in that lifestyle. I've I've always said like the whole thing about celebrity is like you know you think when when you're young you think being celebrity would be great, uh-huh. but like you know you look at celebrities and even the most minor kind of celebrities, you know, they can't go and just, you know, go to the shops or go to a movie or, or do anything without somebody wanting to hassle them for a photograph or something like that. Mm. Um, Not just that, like words that you say get taken out of context. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes you see reports of something and you're like, oh, well, I actually listened to that interview on the podcast and that's totally not what that person meant. Mm. So it's... Uh, yeah, and it, and like yeah, everyone gets judged. But I mean, I think if you're a celebrity, you're constantly getting judged, and you have to be perfect because yeah. otherwise you're going to get. Yeah. So, I mean, it may sound great having all the money in the world and everything like that, but really, like, just to be able to go and, you know, enjoy yourself and have that anonymity so that people aren't, like, you know, So you can go to the beach and not get a photo taken of you and say, let's check out Rachel in her massive bathers. Exactly. (laughs) But that's the thing. I mean, the the amount of, like, you see a photograph of Hugh Jackman walking down the street, leave the guy alone. Let him go out to get his pine lime splice without bloody taking photographs of him. Is that what he? was getting? Well, no, I just actually like pine lime splices, so I just oh. I'd throw that in there. But I, I recently just like got on a, uh, like a, a, a whole thing. I, I got a pine lime splice. I remember um, uh, Sandman used to like put it into his comedy. He mentioned oh. pine lime splices, so I've got that uh, you know soft spot for it. Um, they are very tasty. I haven't had one for ages. That makes me want to go and pick up one on the home. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something about ice cream and like uh, ice lolly. So you got mm-hmm. ice lolly around the outside. Yeah, this is for our friends from over who don't know what a pine lime splice is. <laughs> um, so it's like vanilla ice cream, uh, mm. the creamiest of vanilla ice creams in the middle, and then it's surrounded in this uh, um, uh, ice lolly, which is pine lime spliced together. <laughs> Pineapple <laughs> lime spliced together, hence pine lime splice. It's delicious, um, people. It is, it is. It's, it's, it's Australian, not as Australian as the Golden Gay Time. Uh, I've, I've never had a Golden You've Gay Time. You've never had a Golden Gay Time. 
Oh, they're amazing. I don't amazing. know, just the idea of it is so weird. Like, it just looks ugly. They're, they're like... Um, uh, Chris gets them all the time. Yeah, so you got your, your um, again, a vanilla ice cream uh, covered in, like, biscuit crumb. Yeah, so, I think that's what gets me. Mm. I'm not into the biscuit crumb and, and ice cream because I'm like, I want my biscuit crumb to be crunchy yeah. and I just can't imagine that it would be when you combine it with ice cream. And I'm like, who wants a soggy biscuit? So you're not a big fan of the ice cream sandwich? No. Oh, I love an ice Who, cream sandwich. Oh. Why would you want a soggy biscuit? This and this <laughs> is like, why do people dunk their biscuits into tea? I also don't get that. Well, it's a. You see, the reason you dunk your biscuit in your tea is it's a challenge. You see, particularly if it's a milk arrowroot biscuit that you're dunking in there, because you've got a shelf life there of like ten. Maybe, no, no, not even 10 seconds, two or three seconds. Like you've got to dunk it in because as soon as it hits that middle bit, that biscuit's going in your tea and then you've got sludgy tea and you don't want that. So uh, it's, it's a challenge. Like you dunk it in your tea. I don't and then, need that challenge in my life. I'm good. So you could do that or, or you could go like if you didn't want to be challenged, you dunk the uh, ginger nut biscuit and the ginger nut biscuit like because some people find them a bit too tough. I'm a big fan of the ginger nut bicky but – They can break your teeth. Exactly. Some people like I like a ginger nut bicky but it's a bit too tough for my, my dentures. Yeah, um, that's me. I don't have dentures yeah. but it's too tough for me. So they so dunk them into the, into the tea to soften them up a little bit. But the best one, the most Australian one. Paddle pop. No, it's a Tim Tam Slam when we're talking oh, bickies. Oh, yeah, yeah, The Tim Tam Slam. So this is, for um, people who don't know, this is where you, you bite off uh, diagonal corners of a Tim Tam, right? And then... I didn't realise it was diagonal corners. I just thought it was the ends of both. No, well, if you, if you, if you do the ends of both, you're going to be sucking up too much liquid. And again, you uh, have that, that, the, the issue of the Tim Tam just falling apart in your tea. But that's not too bad because it makes your tea a chalky tea, so that's quite nice. Um, but the so you bite off the uh, diagonal ends of it, and you use it as a straw to suck the liquid that you're uh, drinking into the Tim Tam to infuse the Tim Tam with the the tea or coffee. And I would say coffee is probably the better idea. So you're gonna like mock a sludge in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. And you do that, but then you got to slurp it up in your mouth really quickly before it disintegrates into your cup of coffee. I'm just gonna leave you with something, and then we'll be back. Um, I'm very un-Australian. <laughs> Don't really like Tim Tams. Hey, Rachel. Hey, yeah. Are you enjoying the podcast? Always. That's great. Heaps funny. Do you know who else is here? Cecilia. Hey, Cecilia. Hi, guys. I'm really enjoying it. Where can we find more of this? Thegentlemanofpopculture.com or Facebook and Instagram. That's awesome. And what can we find there, Lou? What you're going to find on there is Wozcast, the Whiskey Appreciation Society podcast. You will also find Diz Down Under, which is the Disney podcast or the Disney Appreciation podcast. You will also find Unscripted, the film show, which is the weekly film review show where Cecilia, Rachel and myself talk about the films that are coming out and if they're good or bad or whether you should spend your money on them. How's that? <laughs> it's great. You're forgetting... Tangent City. Oh, of course, yeah, Tangent City, what you're to do right now, where we go off on tangents and we have one little like uh, topic and we go all over the place, so it's fantastic. There's lots to listen to. Yeah, you can find us on all of your podcast networks. Yes. Just look for us. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, all of that stuff. Well done, in harmony. <laughs> so most listeners to the show would know that I'm not traditionally a rom-com kind of person. Um, I mean, unless it's obviously the classics like Sleepless in Seattle, mm-hmm. You've Got Mail, Harry Met Sally. Classics, honestly. Um, but the more I watch them, the more I realise I probably like them more than I'd like to admit. Um, I 
there's a, a film coming out next week called The Hating Game and it's based on a movie, uh, sorry, it's based on a book of the same name which I think was released in 2016 and was kind of given the um, people are thinking this is maybe the reason why these things are starting to become a bit more popular, mm-hmm. these types of books and movies, um, kind of, yeah, becoming a bit more popular now because it's been a few years but, but since we've had like a whole lot of them. But anyway, so very popular book a few years back and it's um, – so The Hating Game, is it's got two characters, Lucy Hutton and Joshua Templeton – Templeman, excuse me um, – and they – hate each other obviously uh it's one of those rom-coms where it's people who hate each other actually love each other and it's the hating bit is just a you know your traditional like completely um completely predictable kind of rom-com right. mm-hmm. you know and the thing is as predictable as it is and as ludicrous as some of the plot points and the dialogue can be if it's done well it can kind of be a nice, like, turn your brain off and just experience the movie as it as it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, these two people were our co-workers and the only reason they work together is because there's been a merger between two publishers. One publisher, which is uh, run by a kind of a sexist old um, man played by Corbin Benson and he, his personal assistant is is Joshua Templeman and he's really uptight um perfectionist uh his his desk is real it's a, he's it's, it's just very clean and tidy mm. and black and wears the same shirts on a Monday Tuesday where they all are the you know it's like he's got a uniform and then you've got Lucy who um her the the publisher she works for um Helen uh Sakina Jaffrey plays Helen um it's more of a literature is more important to them, so um, they're a bit more educated and like, you know, proper literature. Mm. The other guy's printing, you know, sportsman's biographies or whatever, which are very entertaining in themselves. But anyway, so you've got two very very different publishers merging together. That's your first question. When would this merge ever have happened? Because it was clear that everybody there hated each other and it was never really going to work anyway because mm-hmm. they're completely different. Um, so that's your first logical, like, question. Um, so as a result, Lucy and Joshua are both personal assistants for their bosses but they have to work in the same office and they clearly hate each other or do they? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it does all of the same stuff that every other rom-com does, you know, um, they bicker and then they get trapped somewhere and then they make out and I'm not giving anything away. It's all in the trailer and it's, like I said, extremely predictable. Um, They're competing that a new position comes up as a managing director and they both want to go for it. So now they're in competition to get that job along with the complications of um, are they, aren't they going to get together? Do they like each other? Don't they like each other? What's going on Mm -hmm. here? Anyway, so... Um, there's some really, really funny lines in this movie. Uh, it's got, um, there's some really dirty stuff as well. Like they make some dirty jokes and jokes that you don't expect as well. Like, oh, I've never seen that in a rom-com. Okie dokie. Um, I'll tell you that off air because you're never going to watch it. Why am I not going to watch it? 
It's, it sounds good. Why wouldn't I watch it? I don't know because it's because you're not into rom coms, really. I, I I've dabbled in rom coms. I I've, I've watched a few of my time. I logically, if I think about this movie after the fact, I'm like, I shouldn't have liked this mm-hmm. film, but I really enjoyed it, and I I'm I'm annoyed that I enjoyed it because because I'm like, oh damn, it's a really predictable rom com <laughs> that. I can, but I really liked it, and I couldn't help myself. Um, there's no really massive famous people in it. The two people that play the leads, um, they just have incredible chemistry, mm-hmm. and it feels really authentic. And you need to make sure that that partnership's going to really work well. If you don't have that, the rom com is dead. Mm. Um, the jokes were really good. Um, it's, yeah, it's. It shouldn't have been as good as... <laughs> I watched the trailer and I was like, well, this looks like it's going to be terrible, but I'll review it anyway. And I was... Um, maybe that's why I thought it was so good because I was just had low expectations. So was, like, so was it a screener or was it, yeah, uh, it, was it was a, a screener? It was a screener. Mm-hmm. It's out next week, January the right. 27th. In America, I think it's streaming, so mm-hmm. it pro- probably will go to streaming relatively quick. Um, but because it was such a, a famous... Um, or, well, it was such a well-known book mm-hmm. I think it will do fairly well it has got fairly good reviews there's a lot of people who are saying they quite enjoyed it and they're saying the same sort of stuff like yeah it's predictable it's exactly what you expect in a rom-com but sometimes that's what you want sometimes you want something that you can just kind of enjoy um there's some steamy sex scenes as well so that's always good so I guess I've told you they get together <laughs> yeah. Well, you already said it was predictable, so yeah. Uh, yeah, and and they show some of the stuff in the yeah. in the trailer, not the steamy sex yeah. scenes, but um, yeah, I quite enjoyed this, um, and I'm going to give it four. Um, everything falling out of your handbag. Nice, sounds good. Mm. Uh, we've only got five minutes left of the show, uh, and we've got to like put some music on for, for quizzy. We do. Um, but before we do that, uh, I just want to say uh, next week I'm going to talk about Peacemaker, uh, which is a new show on Binge uh, that stars John Cena, and this is a spin-off show from The Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn last year. And this show is awesome. So uh, if you want to prepare for next week, uh, next week's show, uh, there's at least three episodes of it on Binge. And it's got the most insane opening scene of any TV show I've ever seen. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm looking for a song to finish the show. I'm looking at Akadaka and I'm trying to find the, um, you know, that song, it's a long way to the top. If you want to rock and roll. Is that what the song's called or is it the... I don't think it is because I can't find it. Ah. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to have to play something else. But it's... Uh, what is that song called? It's not Long Way to the Top because it doesn't... There's no, It's not there. It's not It's a Long Way because it's not there either. Um, so the reason I'm looking for it is because uh, Bryce is into School of Rock recently yeah he's watched it a few times so he's he sings that song quite it is. often it's a long way to the top is what it's called oh well then it's not on the computer yeah so that's a bit sad i'll have to play a, a different um akadaka song just because i can um it's back in black there it, it is so i'll, play pop, that. I'll pop that in um of course you would choose that <laughs> uh and um recently we watched 
Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We watched it too. Two days ago. Oh, nice. So um, I was just like, oh, have a look at this trailer and see if you like it. Because he's into rock and roll yeah. because of the school of rock, he's like, oh, they're rock and rollers. Let's watch that. <laughs> like, oh, well, they're not quite rock and rollers, but yeah, we'll watch One day that. their song will save the universe. Yes, that's <laughs> right. So, um, yes, he enjoyed that. So he's got good taste. He's getting good taste yeah. because of me anyway. Anyway, we'll catch you next week. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture.